The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast from NBC Sports Edge. Normally right now you'd be seeing DJ Short and myself and maybe sometimes a a special guest, but DJ, we had to place him on the COVID-19 injured list. I think him and his whole family actually have COVID right now. Um, Unfortunately, that's still part of this world we live in. I wish it was over. Um, Man. I was thinking about, uh, I should introduce our guest. This is Pat Doherty. We brought in Roto Pat from the football side to help us out. Our plan was to do like a kind of state of baseball chat, um, talk about you know the new pitching signaling technology and what's going on in the minor leagues with the pitch clock and how much that has expedited time of game and such. But uh, yeah, COVID got in the way like it has a lot of things. Anyway, how you doing, Pat? Good. I was looking forward to the state of baseball talk where I was going to try to thread the needle on everything of being a curmudgeon, but trying to like present it as like not curmudgeonly kind of, and just like being like uh, trying to like thread the needle between you know, being half grumpy and half progressive, but just mostly coming off grumpy. So maybe it's good. We're not doing it. the COVID thing, by the way. It's like, I already said in my league, my main home league, we have three IL spots. I'm like, I'll add a fourth. If there's any COVID outbreaks, because we had four the past two years. And I was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And then like the Indians, or excuse me, the Guardians, the A's already. Now DJ, DJ's just burning up a spot on my bench right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've already used all three IL spots. So yeah, just heady times as usual. Well, we got through the spring without, I don't even think there was a mention of COVID at spring training. Granted, they were in Florida. Um, in Arizona. Um, but I was like, okay, this season, it's going to be back to normal. You know, this, I mean, our audience probably doesn't know how to, what we're referencing, but like, if you're on a news shift for what we do and, and a COVID situation hits, like we write up every transaction. Um, so what was it? The, who was it the other day? I don't know. The, the A's on Monday put like had to make nine roster moves because they had to put five guys on the COVID IL. And, and then they're calling up players who aren't on the 40 man roster, but they don't technically have to add them to the 40 man roster. They're like replacement players. And then later they have to be added to the 40 man roster if they're going to stay up. So it's just a nightmare for what we do. And, you know, we like to cover everything, but it's just been, it's been a grind. And I was really hoping that, I could, you know, we like uh, I tweeted that I don't, I'm very good at like telling what a situation is. Like if, if a team announces, oh, there's three players going on the IL and there's no injury designation. I'm like, well, obviously I know what this is. And I, I had a, a follower be like, how do how can you just assume that's the COVID IL? He wasn't saying it 
to be like mean spirited or trolling, but I was just like, I've been doing, this is three years of this now. Like, it's just, it's obvious. And I, I wish I could burn my PhD in COVID IL studies, but I'm a pro at it. Yeah. It's the same thing in the NFL and after the year. So we, we do every transaction as well. And we mark every transaction and after the season, we went back to like, just clean up a few things. And, you know, there were like 40 ghost IL or excuse me, like uh, injured reserve COVID people on the NFL side. Like this person caught COVID in like September of 2020 or something. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like a, like a special team or something. So someone that wouldn't be noticed. There wasn't it. like follow up on it. Yeah. 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 And um, at least, well, at least for baseball, we don't necessarily have to do like daily projections. Um, but in football, like, yeah, if, if a team has a little outbreak, you've got to change, like go in and change everything and totally reanalyze the matchup you know it's it's nice that you guys kind of have a weekly flow but that that messes it up and it, what when do those come out on like friday too yeah well in covid though too i mean they bent all the rules for like they could put they could deactivate someone on saturday night they could deactivate someone at like 11 52 a.m on sunday morning so we had a few yeah real bad like kendall hinton scrambles where I think even most baseball people might remember who Kendall Hinton was the uh, receiver special teamer turned quarterback for the Denver Bryan a 31 to three loss. He had more interceptions than completions. So there was no like COVID feel good story. I'm sure there were some people watching the game like, Oh, we'll make a movie about this. And then he threw more interceptions than completions. I'm going to, I'm going to throw up this comment just because I, it's funny. Don't you guys find it fishy that teams that play Toronto have been getting COVID that is a big I, – I don't know if you've been paying attention to it. Uh, you're more of an MLB hobbyist now. I think that's in your Twitter, Twitter it's, profile. It's in my profile. Now that they've got you on the grind over on the football side. But uh, that's a huge advantage for the Blue Jays that unvaccinated players can't come up to Rogers Center. Um, the Yankees are apparently all vaccinated now. They, they When they entered the year, I think only 71% of the team was was vaccinated. So that's good. And I know the Red Sox have a lot of guys who are kind of refusing it and they go to Toronto next week. Um, so that'll be an interesting situation. I guess we have to write up all those transactions. Too. Yeah. So that's good. So I don't know what, not to get politically, I don't know what they were teaching Tanner Hawk at my Mizzou, but Tanner, you need the jab, man. Uh, we were all counting on you pitching in Ontario many times this year. And, you know, sure. Maybe getting shelled, but we need you to pitch in Ontario. I forgot that he was a Mizzou guy. Yeah, he's Mizzou. He needs – Tanner, you need to get the jab. All right. We're going to run through just a few headlines. It was a relatively slow news day, actually. Only 10 teams – or 10 games on the slate. Uh, Miguel Cabrera missed out on his 3,000th career hit. He was hitting cleanup against the Yankees in an afternoon game in Detroit. Finished, what, I think 0 for 3 with two strikeouts and, a, and the intentional walk in the eighth inning, which was funny. Uh, manager Aaron Boone calls for an intentional walk and what, what would have been Miguel Cabrera's final at bat of the day. Camerick Kapark was packed. Um, a bunch yeah, of they're fans. Like just enraging Yankees and Tigers fans. <laughs> like, he probably has like a 700 OPS over the past two years. And right. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I mean, there, to give him a free pass. Th- there was a runner on second and third and first base was open. So it's like kind of common baseball strategy. I don't like ever giving, you know, putting runners on for free. Um, but yeah, so that'll roll over into into Friday's game, and I'm sure sometime this weekend, Miguel Cabrera will become the 33rd player in MLB history to reach 3,000 career hits. Albert Pools was 
the most recent to join that club. That was in 2018 with the Angels. So so he'll, he'll get there at some point. Uh, Trevor Story, we were talking about the Red Sox. He batted leadoff for them uh, this afternoon against the Blue Jays, which I found interesting. He was mostly hitting sixth out of the gate, but Enrique Hernandez has been pretty terrible um, as the leadoff man for for Red Sox manager Alex Cora. Cora keeps putting Hernandez at leadoff, but maybe um, Story up there could be a thing moving forward. Cora kind of mentioned like if, if Story looks good there, um, that, that could be more of a thing. That boosts his fantasy value. He kind of got off to a slow start. Um, had some a couple minor minor injuries out of the gate, but again, it's 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 April, it's early. I'm sure Story's going to be just fine. That six year, 140 million dollar contract, I still think was a really good deal. Um, his like home road splits are, are crazy, but uh, the, the whole course field situation. DJ and I talk about it anytime someone leaves the Rockies, but having to adjust, you know, going on the road, like if you play all of your home games at that altitude and in those dimensions. You get used to seeing pitches a certain way. Um, you get used to that altitude. And then when you have to to go on the road, say it's only like a three or six game road trip, it's hard to adjust um, to the way pitches look at sea level, um, which I think is just it's simple math or simple just logic. Because like you said, that yeah. is always undersold. And you know, we're Cardinals fans. I mean, we saw Matt Holiday make the transition. We've seen Nolan Arenado make the transition. And like we kind of knew like, you know, the slash wasn't going to be the exact same that it was mm-hmm. in cores, but people always, yeah, like don't understand how things, they, it always normalizes base. Like a good hitter, there's lots of bad hitters in course field that aren't putting up, you know, Matt Holiday, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story numbers, and like how pretty much universally it's always normalized once they leave Colorado. Yeah. I, yeah. It's always oversold. Definitely pull out like a few extra base hits and some homers, but. Um, and like, yeah, just the batting average, knock 15 points off it, but you it, know, 15, 20, 25, maybe yeah. 30, 35. But I mean, going to, from cores to Bush stadium is pretty dramatic. I, I, I don't think anyone's ever hit a homer to left center field at Bush stadium. Well, yeah, going, it's, the, it's especially dramatic now with, you know, our new tower. Have we figured out yet? Like the, what changed the wind patterns? Is it really, is it the ballpark village tower? I, mean, I, know, I know they commissioned quite literally like several studies on this. I, I think yeah, it I think it's it's a real thing. This comments are like to your Tanner and we need to get the jet. <laughs> I almost uh, I was gonna think of like a fake fake hashtag for Aaron Judge too, like jab judge, and apparently he did it. I didn't know that he did it actually. I didn't know that either. Um, good for so. him. I guess yeah, if it encourages more guys to get vaccinated, that's good. This yeah, this commenter points out it was a one nothing score at the time. You load the bases and and try to get out of that inning. I, I'm okay with it, but then Austin Meadows kind of dunks a two run double into left field, and yeah, I mean Yankees fans are so upset right now because their team did not address certain holes over the off season, and um, they're off to kind of a, a skittish start. They're just upset about everything. I mean, understandably so. Uh, if the Yankees should consider just behaving like the Yankees uh, in the off season. If you just tracked the Yankees by like. Twitter and even their beat writers are like what people are saying to their beat writers. You'd think they, they were one of the worst teams in baseball last year and are one of the worst teams in baseball this year. Yeah, you would like, think that they're a, yeah, like that they were the A's or the Orioles. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's still a pretty good, good team. I had a, a random observation by the way, in Trevor story is I feel like we are seeing more desperation leadoff hitters than ever. Like every team is managed by Joe Madden now. They're like, oh, we're going to lead off Wilson Contreras today. 
And I know a lot of it's OBP driven, understandably so. But like, I mean, Jorge Soler let off the other day for the Marlins. Like, we need to hit the reset button. Kyle here. Schwarber. I don't yeah, hate it. Schwarber's, fun. I mean, Schwarber's one thing. That's kind of interesting, actually. You're a but. you're a Larusa traditionalist. You want speed at the top. Yeah, I want the pitcher hitting eighth. You know, I want the pitcher <laughs> hitting. I want them hitting eighth. Yeah. <laughs> this comment is true. It's not so much the altitude in Colorado. It's the. So DJ and I were doing our positional preview podcast, and I said that I had like heard somewhere that Coors Field has 14,000 more square feet of fair territory than Fenway Park. And I, I was Seems, like, that I, sounds like a lot. <laughs> I know when I said it, I was like, there's no way that's right. But I've, I've heard that or I read that somewhere. And then I looked it up. It's true. And, and Fenway obviously has the smallest amount of fair territory because of the dimensions, but 14,000 more square feet. Coors Field has a huge outfield. It's easy to hit extra base hits there, no doubt. We're getting a lot of comments. It's like like dumping in even more singles, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the batting average boost is almost even bigger than the power boost. That was weird. Why did DJ LeMahieu then, like, win a batting title away from Coors Field? I thought that was a weird one. I don't know. He's not very great right now. Not anymore, no. He's just a a very hard player to to analyze. Oh, we have to read a promo code. Sorry, this is is my first time hosting the the Thursday night show. Come on, man. Uh, For our listeners out there. Base is 22. Sorry, uh, I'll let you start over. Wow, you Um, know the promo code. I've been reading a lot of baseball promos on a good football show, Mondays and Thursdays on NBC Sports Edge. There you go. I love that show. Um, We should talk about, I I haven't talked to you about being at the Super Bowl in Los Angeles and all that. Yeah, I'm a celeb. Wow. No, it, it was amazing. It was like, unfortunately, like the time of my life. I will admit that. Uh, That's great. Made me want to be a celeb. Yeah. Uh, Did you go Denny, to any parties? No, we didn't go to any party. Denny and I are both 35 year old plus dads. So we did spend a lot of time at the hotel bar, but yeah. we did not go to any parties. It kept we, it nor, relatively nor were, safe. <laughs> yeah, nor were we invited to any parties. All you had to stumble to was the elevator to go back up to your room. That's, yes. That's keeping it safe. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The 2022 MLB season is underway, and NBC Sports Edge is giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22, as Rotopat said. Get expert insight and access to tools that will give you an edge against your competition at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. Use promo code BASES22 
at checkout to save big this season. Another big news item uh, on Thursday afternoon was Luis Robert left the White Sox game against the Guardians with a, they're calling it a mild groin strain. Um, but whenever you hear groin strain with, with a guy who really relies on his legs like Luis Robert does, I'm kind of assuming that's going to be at least a 10 day stint on the IL. I, you know, teams are allowed to carry 28 players right now. There's 28 man rosters until May 1st or 2nd. Um, so they could kind of string them along. The Reds sort of did that with Jonathan India. Um, and the Astros kind of did it for a couple of days with Jose Altuve, but both of those situations led to IL stints eventually, and they just made them retroactive. So I'm kind of assuming that that Robert is going to go on the IL eventually if it doesn't happen before their next weekend series. Robert's like his batting line, if, if you look at it, isn't sensational, but he's got like he's on MVP pace when it, MVP pace at least like fantasy wise when it comes to homers and and stolen bases and RBIs and runs scored. So that would be a huge loss for for fantasy managers and for the White Sox, obviously, if he's out for a significant period of time. I think I have him in our our uh, NBC Sports Edge friends and family league. Isn't he leading the league in steals, by the way? Yes. Like, I know you're right. He's hitting like 200, but yeah, I think he has like five or six steals already. Yeah, he went two for four this afternoon before he left, and he's still hitting 205 with a 608 OPS. It's been a really weird season for him. So that, uh, that actually might be winning the batting title, though, this April, uh, hitting 205. I feel like every time, every night when I'm going through the stats, I check out all the triple slashes. I, like, every team has like four or five players hitting like 180. Yeah. Um, I've never seen anything quite like it. It's early, but I think they're using that dead-end baseball again. And I think in the spring they used the 2019 Super Bowl because the ball was flying and pitchers even said um, the seams were down. But uh, Eno Saris posted a picture of a ball that he grabbed out in Oakland and the seams are like super raised. So I don't, I don't know what baseball is is doing with its equipment. It's like um, they like go to like Rob Manfred's closet and just get out whatever like cache of balls happen to be there at the time because it seems like yeah, where it's no longer just been like it's different from season to season. Like every year, yeah. Now we have like Eno like doing an article for the Athletic, being like, <laughs> yeah, they totally changed the ball beginning June seventeenth. I I feel like every month there's a new article. Oh, the baseball's different again. again. Yeah, I didn't know that the baseball has been blue for three weeks. I hadn't really noticed that. (laughs) I had noticed something weird. Um, (laughs) This is an interesting comment. I think Bobby Witt Jr. will be fine. Do you guys agree? Uh, So this morning uh, when the Royals released their lineup, Witt was all the way down to the seventh spot, and he had opened the season hitting second, then moved down to third. That was over his first 10 major league games. And then in his 11th major league game, he gets dropped down to seventh. Um, batting just 128 with like an OPS around 381. Yeah. <laughs> Across his first 40 major league plate appearances. He did, I think, single uh, this afternoon, then got caught trying to steal base, like caught right in between. Um, he's 21 years old. I'm not worried about it. I, th- I mean, we talk about this all the time. Like we get spoiled by Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mike Trout, the guys that just come up and are fantastic right away. And I mean, Witt was incredible last year at, at the AAA level. You know, 33 homers, 29 steals, and 124 games between AA and AAA. You look at that and you think, all right, he's just going to be a fantasy monster right away. But the, it's a different level of pitching, and it could be actually a different baseball that they're playing with too. Um, so. Well- 
Will he be fine? I don't know. Like, well, this is right. Here's like, well, I'll come in with like the hobbyists, like a bit, like, could he be being affected by like the environment? All? Cause like the Royals are one of those teams where every player is hitting like 150. Whit yeah. Merrifield's hitting 136. Salvi's hitting 220. Carlos Santana's hitting 069. And starting every day for yeah. Mike Matheny. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, 146. Adalberto, 135. I mean, obviously, this has actually no effect on Bobby Woods at bats. Like, that's like a really dumb old man opinion to have. But, like, yeah, it, it would be easier to spiral, I feel like, in that environment. No, I, I mean, I, I think I, I'm not like a, a person that thinks players are robots. I think there's a legit human effect to that, that if the rest of the offense was humming right now, he could kind of be more comfortable. And maybe that's the idea of dropping him into the seventh spot is like, let's take some pressure off this very young kid um, who probably feels a ton of pressure. I really like my Jeremy Pena rookie of the year prop bet that I was telling everybody to place at the beginning of the year, though. He was getting no pub. Like when Major League Baseball would put out a graphic, who's going to win AL rookie of the year? It was (laughs) Julio Rodriguez and Torkelson and Bobby Witt Jr., Um, And just no mention of Astros shortstop Jeremy Pena, who made the opening day. They like knew he was going to make the opening day roster before spring training even started. They were fine with letting Carlos Correa go for this guy. He looks so smooth um, just as a baseball player. Do you think it was just kind of because he's on the older side that he wasn't getting much Roy? Not that he's old, but like he's like 24, I think. Yeah, uh, he's he's older for and I, I think he was. He wasn't like a high high round draft pick, was he? Maybe third round. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he played like two or three years in college, which is not necessarily common for guys that shoot up prospect ranks. But and he, I think he only played in like thirty one games in the minors last year because of injuries. But um, he he looks like the real deal so far with wit. If we're talking fantasy wise, you spent a probably top one hundred, top one twenty pick on him. Can't drop him. Um, I would just, I would just hope that maybe taking a little pressure off him works out, and that once the Royals, I, I like that offense. Like I think their pitching is a mess, um, and they need three of those young pitchers to actually become something before they're going to be a contending team. But the offense is dynamic, and and he'll be a big part of it eventually. I don't think he's in any danger of going back to Omaha. Yeah, Drew. So like, if it's say it's like a league with no keeper element. Like what would you? What do you? I know we ask this question every year. Basically, what would be like the drop date for someone like Bobby Witt? Like June first or something? I feel like you you have to give someone like Bobby Witt like two months. I feel like like a top ten prospect. Yeah, I agree. I I would say you're you're carrying it through May, and then it's really dependent on this is kind of a cop up, but like your league size and who you'd be plugging in instead, and um and if he gets sent back to Omaha and it is. June or it is late May, then you consider like, all right, I'm going to drop them and hope that I can pick them back up on waivers and, and no one else goes out and grabs them and just keeps them on their team. Um, it depends if it's like a shallower league or a deeper league, or if it's, there's a corner infield, middle infield spot, by the way, in that edge league, man, it's like impossible to find a decent outfielder. Right yeah, now. There's no one good because it's a five outfielder league with 15 teams. So we're talking about digging into like the the ninetieth, eightieth best pro or eightieth best outfielder in baseball. I picked up Jake Fraley the other day. I'm gonna add right now, real quick, and see who the top ranked available outfielder yeah. is. It's I, I mean, this is bad. So again, I'm a hobbyist. I've literally never heard of this guy. 
Tyro Estrada? <laughs> Tyro what? Estrada. He's kind of like a super utility man. Um, <laughs> he has two steals, apparently. Uh, no, 46% yeah. roster now. People must be desperate. He's kind of getting a lot of playing time right now, which is uh, – yeah, I, I don't think he's like a, a guy that I really believe in. The Mets have been moving him – I mean the – I'm the sorry, Giants. the Giants have been moving him around with, you know, Evan Longoria's hurt. They have a bunch of different injuries. Um, so he's he's getting a lot of a lot of run. I wouldn't expect that to last once they get like Evan Longoria and Lamont Wade back and um they're fully healthy. All right. Some other headlines that I was looking at. Uh John Gray back on the on the injured man, list man. with an MCL strain in his left knee. Man, the Rangers offseason strategy was to just <laughs> spend a half billion dollars on Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager and then throw a little cash at John Gray and hope the rest of the rotation does something. They right now have the worst combined ERA of any major league team. It's at 6.09 for their starters and relievers combined. Um, and that's a pretty pitcher-friendly ballpark that they just opened down there in, in Arlington, Texas. And I think their rotation ERA is even worse. It's at 6.97. Um, man, oh man. Yeah. What I mean, happened to the Rangers, man? Like John Daniels was like the vanguard of modern baseball. And it seems like he just like it's almost he seems like the classic, like he I'm sure he's still a good baseball man, but like it's like where you just fire a coach that you know is good, but you just like just need new ideas. Cause he seems just like out of ideas. He's kind of the king of the rolling rebuild. Yeah. You know, like yeah, oh, yeah, oh yeah. we can figure this out on the fly. And it worked for him for a while. His his first several years there had a lot of success. Um, but you have to have a lot of luck involved with that. And I they have um some legit pitch pitching prospects on the way. I think it's probably two or three years by the time they're really competitive, though. Um, and at that point, how old is Marcus Simeon gonna be? Like 36. Yeah. <laughs> you the, have to either have a lot of luck or just be Brian Sabian, basically. Um, yeah, or just have a lot of cash and just be the Dodgers. Why can't everyone just be the Dodgers? Right. Um, yeah, Marcus Simeon's one of those guys where, where I'm, I'm going through, like, yeah, at night, I'm like, wow, it seems like a fake average for, yeah, look at right now. What is it, Drew? What within 50 points, guess Marcus Simeon's OPS right now? It's bad. 420. Damn, I thought it was gonna be like Taysom Hill's age, where no matter what you guess, it's always too low. You went a little. It's four fifty nine. You were within fifty points. Um, yeah, yikes. Yeah, I was writing about. So I do the power rankings for us. Every those are week. awesome, by the way. I like those. Yeah, they're they're a grind. I I wish people knew how much time I put into that, and um, I, I don't know. Maybe it shows on the page, but I, I seriously spend ten hours writing that thing, and then we do a podcast about it, and. I like to kind of pat myself on the back that I'm the only person that I know of. We're the only site that has one person doing power rankings like MLB.com has them, but all their voters are all the writers vote on it. And then there's only write-ups for the top five teams and the rest is just a list. And then the, the athletic has two people write them um, every week and kind of in a rotation. So I don't know. I think, I think I'm very good at my job that I that I that I do that every week and no, it's just awesome, yeah. Because we don't people always focus on like the ranking, I'm sure, but it's more about just like checking in where the team's at. And yeah. I, I love having like a rolling check in, basically about like what's going on. Yeah, that's kind of I, I don't like yeah the blurbs, the observations aren't really about like the methodology for why a team dropped or, or fell because you know it's 
it's power rankings. Everyone yeah. knows it's kind of silly. Um, so I just like to give a little snapshot of like maybe there's some player that's doing something or, or some player got hurt and what that means for the rest of the team. Um, so, yeah, I, I try to – yeah, that's kind of what I want it to be. Like if, if you're not paying attention to baseball every day and it's it's hard to because things change every day. And yeah, if you're sport. just paying attention to your own team and yeah. like not the league at large. Yeah. So check that out if, if there's people watching, listening that, that don't read that I, I really do. And I do a podcast every – what is that Monday nights with Janice Scurrio and we kind of break down the biggest risers, biggest fallers in the top five. Uh, we have a question here. Tony Gonsolin and Patrick Seaval worth owning in a 12 team head to head league. Yes, both. I mean, I, I think definitely Sandoval. I know it's been kind of a rocky start for him, but there's a lot to like in his profile. He's added a ton of velocity, he has one of the best changeups in baseball. Um, I think he's going to be really, really good long-term. And then, Hey, whenever Tony Gonsolin like gets a, a chance to to have a, a starting job, you want him on your team because his like career numbers are incredible. And, and right now he's like a traditional locked in starter for the Dodgers, which he hasn't been in a long time. So yeah, in a twelve team head to head with the injuries that are going ar- around pitching staffs around baseball right now, both and of they actually are... let him go six innings the other night. Right, <laughs> I thought might not ever happen in his career, and they let him do it actually. How do you feel about Yuli Gurriel this season? Is he finally over the hill? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever had a share of Yuli Gurriel in a fantasy league. Um, it, it's nice to get like a little cheap piece of that Astros lineup, and and he's a good way to do it. And first base is like not as deep as it was, you know, ten years ago or even like five years ago. Um, so it's it's nice to get some guy that's going to have some teammate dependent counting stats. He's usually a good RBI run scored type of dude, but yeah, he's not a 300 hitter or a 319 hitter. Like he showed last year. He's not, I don't think he's going to win another batting title. Um, and yeah, he's 37 years old going on 38 in June. So I, I think he's a borderline guy. I'd feel fine dropping him and, and trying to fill that roster spot another way. Is Aristides Aquino from the Reds the worst player? In Come on, man. <laughs> That's he's like a classic raw only raw power kind of guy so you can't be the worst player if you have one if you have a certifiable skill and he at least has a certifiable skill and just insane raw power but yeah, I think, yeah if this were like 1999 he'd be one of the best players in baseball because people would ignore that that he never gets on base and is a bad defender um is so, he a yeah. bad defender? I actually didn't know that. I don't really know, actually. I'm, he doesn't play a ton, so it's it's hard to say. I mean, he's like a huge, lanky dude, so I'm assuming that he's not the best. Um, but I'm, I'm totally making that up. I haven't looked into I'm his... Sure, he's probably not. He, we would know, probably. Since he's been struggling so much as a hitter, we'd probably know, or well, at least he can field. And that's not a narrative with him. I, I, I feel like we already talked about this after this question got sent and Jeremy Pena worth using rest of season, my answer is just a flat. Yes. That's, that's all you need. Really enjoy you guys. Keep up the great work, fellas. All right. We, oh, here we go. Check out Drew's latest power rankings oh, yeah. right here. I've never looked at the comments section. Um, it's kind of distracting, but oh, here we go for Aquino's defensive. Ah, Hang on, I'll get to that one in a second. Aquino's defense, he's hes beyond horrible. All right, yeah, okay. I mean, hey, this guy, though, is the guy who asked if he was the worst player in baseball, so. <laughs> he's clearly gotten it. Is this Phil Castellini? The... Yeah, he's got an agenda. Yeah, seriously. Uh, <laughs> well, Phil's comments lit a fire under the team. They've been surging since then. Man, um, how how do you go on a nine-game losing streak two <laughs> weeks into the season? Like, I feel like it's hard. 
for that math to work. <laughs> like literally the day too, the owner's like tough, you know what, fans. Like go where yeah. Oh, his comment was where are you gonna go? <laughs> like I'm, I don't know, maybe the Cubs or something. I mean, like don't have to do this. Oh, I hate that. Here, here's a good question. Any room for Gorm? I'm not gonna keep you too much longer. Let's let's wrap it up with a little card. No, I, I I got nowhere to go except for a kid's bedtime. So uh, just keep me here. Actually. I was gonna throw some NFL draft props at you, but I didn't prep any of those at all. And you know Tim Larkin, my friend. He was I do know Tim. He was He's sending. My- He's my internet friend. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm amazed you guys all follow him. Um, but yeah, he sent me over some props and I didn't have time to really research who these players were and where they might go and make my own determinations. But let's talk about this. I, Nolan Gorman, as of yesterday, he had homered in five straight games at AAA, seven home runs over his last seven games overall. Um, I mean... I don't think they're going to platoon Edmund. I think right. they're. I think it's the classic Ryan Boyer texting the other day as Ali Marmel and said, "Tommy, are you ready to play some shortstop?" And I think that's probably more likely, right? Do you think he could be an everyday shortstop? I, I think so. Every day might be pushing it, but uh, I mean, I mean, Paul DeYoung, man. Like, so I'm just putting on the car. I mean, how much longer can I watch this? I mean, I, I really do like the guy. But, like, how much longer can I watch this? And I thought, like, he was kind of competing with Edmundo Sosa for playing time. He was in, like, witness protection. Yeah. Uh, what's going on there? I So the answer, I have Edmund as you do for a platoon. I don't think so. I I think he could either s- cycle in at shortstop or become, like, a super utility man because he can play defensively anywhere. Um, be kind of like a, I don't know, like a Ben Zobris type of super utility man who's still an everyday totally. player. And, and I think he would be great at that. You know, I like him as a number nine hitter. Um, I wish Dylan Carlson would pick up leadoff a little bit better. I guess the, does he have a couple hits tonight. I haven't really been watching. It's five nothing. So probably. Yeah, not. I know. I know. While we were podcasting, the Jazz Chisholm homered, which it's hard to be mad about that, but I was mad about it. By the way, we're talking about lineups. He moved up to leadoff uh, for Don Mattingly tonight. He had been hitting like eighth or ninth to open the season, which as a guy who has a lot of Chisholm shares, I was worried about, but. He's he's off to an incredible start. I think two now he's got three homers, two doubles, two triples in like nine games played. Um, a very dynamic talent. I was worried that the batting line was never going to reach elite heights, but uh, so far it's it's looking good. Again, it's very early. But- and maybe he could just get a few of those years where he's so dynamic when he makes content that contact that the OBP will just rise for a few years, and he probably won't be like a nine or ten year OBP guy. But like if he's making like hard enough contact in his prime, then like the OBP will be maybe sustainable yeah. enough to actually hit at the top of the lineup. I would say with Edmund too, he hit leadoff on Wednesday. And if Carlson, you know, if this slow start continues for Carlson, Edmund's going to get more looks there. Um, and that was the worry when you drafted Edmund this spring that he could easily lose that leadoff spot because he's had a bad OBP the last two years. Uh, but right now he's he's looking pretty good out of the gate certainly better than Carlson is and Gorman. I, yeah, I mean, it's, I think they're going to want him to play second base every day or even some third base. I'm, you know, Arenado's there. I, it might take an injury for, for him to, to come up. Cause I don't think they're going to bring him up to DH, you know, and I, or, you know, maybe if, if they're comfortable putting Edmund into that super utility role that we kind of mentioned, um, here's another comment from, from our Aquino boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> 
Paul DeYoung may be related to Aristides Aquino. He's horrible too. I mean, Paul DeYoung's just like the classic guy. Just adjusts to that pitch, man. It's like the one. He's like the guy who he's this the king at waving at the low and away. I mean, I know it's like it's insanely difficult, but like he just can never make that adjustment. Like he could never stop waving at that pitch. Yeah, and, uh, it's been bad. It's tough to watch. I think we had a question about I wanted to address. I can't find it now about Brandon Marsh and Taylor Ward, who are off a good to a good start with the Angels. Um, I don't. I was not high on on Marsh at all coming into the year. I thought he was going to be kind of a better real life player than than a fantasy player because I didn't see a ton of offensive upside. I didn't see a ton of counting stats in his profile from what he did in the minors. Um, but those kind of players, like sometimes they figure it out and they and they do start putting up counting stats. I would look at, I mean, I'm not going to compare Brandon Marsh to Wander Franco, but you know, people are complaining that Franco, even though he's been lighting it up since the All Star break last year, he's got like six homers in one stolen base over that span, and it's just not very valuable in fantasy. But believe me, like that dude is going to be a 25 20 kind of guy at some point. And you'll take the batting average and you'll take the RBIs and runs scored that come along with having a, a 330 average and, and 900 OPS since the All-Star break last year. He's still plenty valuable. I don't have any shares of Wander Franco, honestly, because he went a little high for my liking. I do like to be able to have those homers and steals locked in. Um, with Marsh, I'd be worried about him coming back down to earth a little bit. Um all right, what else? We'll do one more question, more productive upon return. Clevenger, Chris Sale. Oh, that's I'm, a tough one. I'm going to go with Sale. Me too. Because he did return last season and looked pretty good. Like the strikeout rate was there. The control was a little bit off, um, and he got hit hard, harder than you're expecting. But that's pretty normal coming off Tommy John surgery. When I watched Mike Clevenger pitch this spring, the few times he did pitch, he has like a, a new delivery. He does like the the wag of the arm thing. It just it looks like he's really tinkering and he's kind of lost it. And I, I'm not honestly optimistic at all that he's going to Cle- be. Yeah, and Clevenger was a guy. I felt like there was always so much going on there, like his motion. Like he seemed like someone who couldn't have anything go wrong. Like he needed to stay like basically 100 percent healthy. It, it was someone where it'd be easy to see it spiraling if he got hurt. And like you said, now he's totally messing with his windup. And he seemed like someone who it would just all fall apart. Basically if like one thing went out of equilibrium and that's probably the big risk with him. Yep. All right. We'll close it out with this comment. Don't worry. The, the genius. <laughs> bat, well, that Matt Duffy is as clean. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on with the angels, man. They, they have a lot of top end talent, obviously Shohei Otani, who's like the most incredible athlete of all time and, and Shroud and Rendon all healthy at the same time. And Jared Walsh, you know, continuing what he did last year, but then they're like, their starting shortstop is Andrew Velasquez. Who's like one of the worst hitters in baseball, but for some reason gets like tons of headlines because he grew up in the Bronx. I remember that with the Yankees last year. Like just so many Yankees. There are so many Yankees beat writers, and they would all file stories about Andrew Velasquez just because <laughs> he grew up in the neighborhood. And, and then like Tyler Wade at second base, you know, uh, and Matt Duffy getting a ton of playing time. Jack Mayfield, like they're, they're middle who, infield. Who is Jack Mayfield? He was a former <laughs> Astros guy. Um, he's not a, a major league regular, I'll tell you that, but neither is like any of the four options that, that the Angels can play on their middle infield. Um, I, 
uh, Andrelton Simmons was a nice fit there because at least he could give you some some you know uh, not some defense some elite defense. Um, but right now they're just sort of floundering offensively. With I, I guess I mean their their owner was just like I've spent enough money. We're not spending on the middle infield. Um, Hardy Moreno is a very, very strange guy. Yeah. Like, very, very strange. Yeah, where it is like he builds like half the team, like with impulse $280 million purchases. And then CJ Wilson. <laughs> yeah, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Justin Upton no longer on the squad. Yep. Yep. Um, so, by the way, I think I don't, there's not a single baseball thing like that I texted more about this year than the Corey Seager bases loaded walk from Joe Madden. I think I sent approximately 200 text messages about that and never seen anything quite like that. I think this could be the last year for Madden. I this, do too. This sort of happens where, you know, he gets along with everyone and, and everyone in the front office really likes him. And then yeah, about five or six years in, it, it just it just wears on everybody. All right, we'll, we'll close it out. Pat's got a get his kids to bed thanks for joining man i, I kind of at, at the last minute it just became us two um i blame dj he can't play hurt you know yeah, he's he's faking it covid's over bro i was gonna say hasn't he heard it's <laughs> over <laughs> all right that'll do it for this week's show follow us on twitter i'm at drew Silve. pat is at roto pat subscribe to the circling the bases podcast here's some some nice compliments as we go um <laughs> thanks and, uh, thanks guys yeah. Give us five stars. We'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.